Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We're looking at the book, Nine Lives That Will Destroy Your Marriage by Greg Smalley and Robert Paul. We're continuing to look at love lie number two. One plus one equals one. In fact, we were looking at the author's marriage model number three, to marry, and much more is going on. You know, this is actually the author's healthy marriage model. The foundational building block for this marriage is a healthy adult. As you'll recall, the authors define an adult as a person capable of fully caring for their whole being, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual who has also accepted full responsibility for the job. So, a true adult is capable and responsible for themselves first. Well, that sounds simple, right? But sadly, it's not. Most of us have been cheated. The truth is that both this understanding of true adulthood and the modeling of it is largely missing. So, if we've never seen it modeled... How are we supposed to even know it's our job, let alone know what it looks like? The authors say that as a result, our understanding of adulthood gets distorted or is completely absent. Add to that fact, we live in a society that not only teaches, but romanticizes a fairy tale view of marriage. The story suggests that if we can just find the right person to meet all our needs, we can live happily ever after. Since we are generally not taught what it means to be a responsible adult first, and with the fairy tale beckoning, it only makes sense that we would look to both our spouse and our marriage to be a key source of our happiness and fulfillment. What a setup! The authors say that the good news about adulthood is that it is fundamentally about just two things capability and responsibility. If you are able to care for yourself, and then you take on the job, you qualify. Those of us with less than ideal modeling may have to work a little harder to figure it out, but it's completely doable. So, in essence, to be a healthy adult, you don't have to fully have it together yet. You just have to be willing and able. There happens to be one more important element to be a fully functioning, healthy adult. That is recognizing that by design, we are dependent upon God. Thus, the job of an effective adult is to balance responsibility, caring for ourselves while simultaneously depending on the Lord, who is our ultimate source of life, strength, wisdom, and knowledge. For any of us to have any real hope of having a truly healthy marriage, we must at least be on the road to becoming healthier people. That's what an adult does. When we wake up and take on the job of becoming a functional adult, a commitment to personal responsibility and self-care, we can now become people capable of forging a strong marriage. Every one of us has a relationship with ourself. It could be a healthy relationship or an unhealthy one. For example, if you go through every day listening to your own mind and heart, Seeking to understand what's going on inside, you are on your way to developing a healthy relationship with yourself. 
On the other hand, if you are doubtful and self-critical and spend each day engaging in negative self-talk, your relationship with yourself is less healthy. The same goes for your spiritual health. If you are really treating yourself well, you will live with a continual awareness that you are more than physical. You are a spiritual being involved in an essential, life-giving relationship with God. As Christians, we also know that this must include our recognition of the many ways we are still flawed and imperfect and thus need God's grace as we hopefully let Him help us become more like Him every day. If you ignore your spiritual health, it's like you are trying to find your life on your own power instead of staying plugged into God's inexhaustible power supply. And the same is true for your spouse. The authors say that intimacy is a commonly misunderstood concept. Frequently today it's used as a reference to sex. They are referring to a far richer and deeper meaning and their definition is also much broader. They use the term intimacy to connect to the biblical understanding of knowing, as in the idea of knowing and being known. This more subtle definition has profound implications when couples strive to build a solid friendship. Truly great marriages have a good friendship at their base. When a couple first meets, they begin to get to know each other. They interact in what the authors call the interactive space, and their initial and shallow intimate encounter is merely an exchange of names. This is the beginning of their relationship. Within this interactive space, the relationship develops as they learn more about each other by sharing who they are, what they like, and what they want to do in life. If things seem good and they want to go deeper still, they might discuss their dreams and aspirations, their passions, and their sense of life calling. Thus, intimacy becomes the journey of getting to know each other in deeper and deeper ways over time. Our fictitious couple is on a journey of intimacy. They are getting to know each other and allowing themselves to be known in deeper and deeper ways over time. As their friendship grows, they are experiencing a deepening bond and connection, along with a growing feeling of closeness and security. Anytime they are apart, they temporarily leave this interactive space. They both move in and out of this space throughout the day. If one of them calls the other from work and they have any kind of exchange, they are entering this space even though they are not face to face. All normal, healthy relationships include a continual moving in and out of this space. Since this is the space they occupy together, where they actually engage, for the relationship to continue to grow, this space needs constant attention to make it one they both enjoy being in. If the interactive space feels tense, or filled with anger, or they anticipate criticism, hurtful interactions, or other unpleasant experiences, they'll likely be apprehensive to enter. If, however, the space is warm, cozy, exciting, loving, and pleasurable, they'll be far more likely to want to go in. They each get to do their part to help create an interactive environment they both feel comfortable in and look forward to spending time in. The authors say that over time, 
This is where many couples encounter trouble. Having initially created a warm and vibrant interactive space, they neglect it, assuming it will continue to grow on its own. But their relationship can't grow on its own any more than a garden can. For their relationship to continue growing, they must regularly enter the interactive space together and invest time and energy into keeping the relationship alive. This is where they can cultivate a friendship they love. If not, the relationship may wither and die for lack of attention. According to the authors, this is how couples typically drift apart. Let's say that our couple continues to grow closer and closer together in the four main areas, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. They enjoy regular life-giving communication, affection, fun times together, laughter, outside friendships, making decisions as a team, and successfully working through the inevitable conflicts and crises. When two healthy adults are building a relationship with each other and with God, they can also experience a vibrant, shared experience together. The authors say that couples can invest in their spiritual intimacy by turning their private times with God into times where they interact with God together. This can include prayer, devotions, Bible study, church, discussions about God and their faith journeys, and many other rich opportunities that can deepen their intimate relationship with God. When two people experience intimacy by knowing and being known by each other, they also have an opportunity to experience and know Him together, to grow spiritually together. The authors have a final addition to their healthy marriage model. They call it the Covenant Marriage Boundary. Today, many men and women of marrying age are skipping marriage and are living together. Why get married? Many of them ask. Men and women can experience levels of intimacy without marriage. But when you make a commitment before God and friends by saying, I do, you are saying, I'm all in. You are devoting yourself, as most of your vows said, until death do you part. People have many relationships in life. Some are deep, while some are more superficial. Within marriage, you are making a commitment to go deep, to let your partner enter into your heart of hearts, to fully know and be known. These parts of us that are so valuable are also vulnerable. As we reveal our heart to another person, we reveal our fears and weaknesses, our doubts and deficiencies, and our spiritual gifts and character traits. But we also reveal that our heart was made like God's, a heart that can be broken. We are vulnerable when we share these valuable aspects of ourselves with our partner because things of great value can be easily damaged and devalued. Each person risks being devalued, mistreated, and damaged. Well, our time's gone for today. We'll finish Love Lie number two next week and begin looking at Love Lie number three. All you need is love. Thanks for being with me today. Have a great and safe weekend as you continue to prepare for a great celebration of the reason for the season. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. 
If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.